if you've been. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, unless you're listening in Northbrook, Illinois, and then we love you. In, in which case, wow, tell your friends. <laughs> <clears throat> um, next time you're in Northbrook, Illinois, apparently there is a geocache there. Um, but I managed to come across um, some reporting on Northbrook, Illinois City Council meetings, mm. which I, I, I'm riveting. usually reading anyway. They're riveting. Yeah, I'm usually reading as ad nauseum. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I saw geocaching. I was like, hey, this is cool. I was just reading about new regulations on fire hydrants. But here <laughs> we are. And apparently there was a geocache that was in the sewer there. Mm. Um, and people got mad because um, kids were walking about a quarter mile down. Well, they're trying to find the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what they they're were. trying to find. They yes. were. They were. Or Pennywise. Oh, either way. Either one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, next time you're in Northbrook, Illinois, and you feel like doing something illegal, apparently they put grates over the over the holes. But my guess is you could talk to a random assortment of stoners in the area, <laughs> and they could tell you how to get into the sewer if you want to. They're very flexible and pliable. Absolutely. They can just open it for you. And this one is very special. So- Right now I'm eating a Fig Newton, and the, the, the reason for that, why we're eating Fig Newtons, will become apparent. Here they are. Um, if you go down into this geocache, and you either get the geocache itself, or you take a selfie with Pennywise and send it to me, I will send you um, what looks to be about seven-eighths of a bag of generic Fig Newtons. It's going to be more like five-eighths after we're done with this podcast. I, yeah, it probably could be. I think, though I'm I'm halfway through this one, I'm thinking six-eighths at least. Cause <laughs> this, is, this basically is, you or know. three-quarters for you math teachers listening out there. Hey! <laughs> oh! Oh, he reduced it on me. I like that. So, yeah, this is, what I'm talking about here is some, some mostly sealed package of VBS-grade Fig Newtons that I will send you from my personal stash. Welcome to Geocaching Scripture. This is Josh. And Dan. And Dan. The most serious podcast, Bible podcast in the world. Ever. Ever. Absolutely. The podcast for Bible nerds in a hurry. Um, We are here in the Blanket Fort, but we're not in the Blanket Fort. No, we're not. We're in Clear Hits Radio Studio. And it, it's nice. I mean, it's, it's, it is really nice. Mm. And there's a plexiglass shield between us so that we are socially distant from each other. Mm. Otherwise, we'd be nose to nose just getting into this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. So geocaching is this rarefied sport hobby. What is it, Dan? Is it a rarefied? I would say it's a a rare sport, but it's also kind of like a hobby. Oh, I see. Mm. I say rarefied, you say sport hobby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, so it's... Finding these little adventures, geocaches, treasures of all these things that make your hike or walk, give it dimension, give a little treasure hunting to the whole activity. There's never much in them that's just the treasure hunting is is the point of it. And to me, that's kind of how I've gotten to read scripture as I've gotten older, as I've been in ministry, as I've gone to seminary. And Dan has been to seminary at a, at a different seminary than me. Um I went you to Regent. Jerk. Regent. He went to Regent South. Um, and uh, and but I find that I'm geocaching scripture. That I'm finding these little treasures of language, of historical situation, and um, culture, and all sorts of things that bring out the dimension to it for me. Um, especially if it's very familiar. I mean, I was born on Saturday in church on Sunday, and I think Dan was pretty much the same. Oh no, you don't know this, but I. So my church had a Wanas. 
But oh. we, we divided between the smart Awana's kids <laughs> and then the not, they didn't call them dumb, but just like the not so smart Awana's Awana kids. Awana profiling. Yes, I'm not kidding you. And one of the questions on the Awana's test to make it into the smart class was, what is your favorite TV show? And do you know what I put? Mm. Walker, Texas Ranger, like any seven-year-old would. And I was immediately put into the remedial Awana's class. <laughs> oh, that's fun in church. Put him in the room with no sharp objects and take the matches away. He'll, he'll kick down the door anyway. <laughs> like Walker, Texas Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree weather so quickly, they said. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can say to this mountain, Go and throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So this is a, a strange episode. I mean, it may be familiar to you, but usually you're not going to hear a sermon on it. Mm -hmm. it it's going to be, the pastor's going to be like, and anyway, fig tree, now we're getting on to the next thing. Um, it's in all three, well, it's in two of the synoptic gospels, mm -hmm. and then Luke kind of spins on it in a different way. Um, synoptic is a special Greek term that's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and Dan's going to explain it to us. I think it means like single vision, right? Or like a, the same optic. Mm -hmm. And so it's three Gospels all trying to tell a story in a very similar way. Exactly. That was sprung on me, though. I don't know if that's yes. a technical definition. I did spring it on you, and you did fantastic. Oh, I, would, would I be placed in the remedial Awanas class with you that? You would word? not. Oh, Plexiglass good. high five. Let's, let's call it good. So the synoptics, I mean, synoptic, syn, synergy. Yeah. Any, any word, similar S -Y -N, vision. So. And then optic would be, so yeah. the together eye, mm. which is a cool term. Yes. I'm going to copyright that. And anyway, so Jesus curses the fig tree. And what what essentially this is, and what you see a lot through the Gospels, is that Jesus is, this is a metaphor for the temple, which is not producing the fruit it is supposed to produce. And in Mark, um, Jesus, he puts this, he sandwiches the temple cleansing in between Jesus cursing the fig tree and them coming out and seeing the fig tree that has no figs on it. And so Mark usually does that. He lets the context sort of interpret itself. But Mark makes the point of saying this was not the season for figs. Mm -hmm. And in Mark, what he's talking about is Jesus. And that's a big – I've had people ask me ask me that before uh, when I was pastoring. They said, you know, why did Jesus yell at the tree? Well, because it makes him look like a jerk. I know. Well, it's like, it's like the tree isn't producing tr figs when it's not supposed to be producing figs. Exactly. Like, come on. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, like expecting a seven-year-old not to like Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Like, it's just going to happen. Exactly. So. Yeah, put that fig tree in the remedial class. <laughs> um, but but what it was, was there was two seasons for figs. So in in the spring season, which I believe is where Jesus is talking to the tree. Great. The it's, pa one, it's Passover, which okay. is in the springtime. In the springtime, right. And there was uh, male figs that were not quite as sweet or as or as 
luscious as the female figs that came later in the year. So Jesus was, it was the season for figs, but not the prime season. For Correct. Figs. Yeah. And so uh, female figs are, and I had no idea that a plant could produce male and female fruit, but fig trees are one of these rare types of trees that do this. And so... Rarified sport trees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and so for the really delicious, luscious female figs to be produced in the fall, the male figs need to be produced in the springtime. And so Jesus goes to the tree and there's lots of leaves. But lo and behold, not only are there no female figs, there are also no male figs, no which male by figs. nature means that this tree was barren. It would not only not produce male figs, it would never produce female figs because there would be nothing to pollinate the female figs with. That was the purpose of the male figs. Mm. I did a lot of reading last night on this this type of common fig tree called the ficus carica. Who knew? The ficus carica is the common fig tree that was all over the ancient Near East during the time of Jesus. How interesting is that? I'm going to have a bite of this ficus carica newton. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway... Jesus um, curses the tree because it's not producing. Now, of course, we're folding in metaphors. Mm -hmm. All through the Gospels, you're folding in metaphors of Israel as a fig vine or fig tree Mm -hmm. that is producing fruit for the world. And Jesus' bottom line here is saying, you're not producing the fruit you were supposed to produce, and therefore you will never produce fruit again. My mouth is stuck together (laughs) on this ficus nervatica. Um so, but what's going on there is Jesus is saying that he's in, and they call it an enacted parable. Mm. You have to look at the fig imagery throughout. So we know that throughout scripture, especially in the gospels, the gospel writers never wasted ink. Ink. That's right. <laughs> I they, panicked for just a moment. You got that. <laughs> you got that. Not only does he guest host, he listens. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> and we are thankful. Um, so the gospel writers never wasted ink. So he, this fig tree would be a significant symbol. The first place the figs appear in the Bible is when Adam and Eve cover themselves with figs, mm. which is really interesting. Um, and that being then this sort of tragic ongoing symbol of... That kind of weaves its way through Scripture. And so, for instance, we, we know that God actually calls Israel like his fig tree in Hosea 9 he says like the fruit on the fig in its first season I saw your fathers but they came to Baal Peor and they consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved but it's that that first line when he saw the 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 progenitors of Israel or the fathers of Israel Mm -hmm. God saw them as figs and so there was a deep symbolic connection between the fig tree and between Israel. And so when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it was as if he was cursing Israel. And I I think we can kind of bring this into our modern parlance. Like, how would the Secret Service treat someone who went in front of the, like, the White House and killed the bald eagle? Like, it's the the same exact symbolic Mm -hmm. act. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. When Jesus did this, it was as potent as that would have been today. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of gives you, a, I think, a a good way to understand the shock value of this. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and especially in Mark, when he when he curses the tree and then he says, I'm going to go trash the temple. I'll Correct. be right back. Mm-hmm. And I bet there's not going to be any figs here. <laughs> and there isn't. <laughs> and then after that, no, so, and this is so interesting as well. 
in Matthew and Mark, after Jesus curses the fig tree, he goes back into the temple after having cleansed it, and he dialogues with the religious leaders and curses, essentially just writes them off completely. So after clearing the temple, curses a fig tree, and then just gets rid of the religious leaders, whatever Jesus is doing, it is deeply connected to the story that Israel saw themselves a part of, which is producing the fruit that God wanted them to. And Jesus totally overturns that apple cart or that, that fig cart and, sa- Very good. <laughs> and says, you guys aren't doing what God wanted you to do. And that's where the drama of Jesus plays out. That's where the drama of Jesus plays out, and that's it. And he's enacting it. Um, and then it's interesting. It's interesting to me to watch a symbol or a story like this bump its way through the synoptics mm-hmm. and then land in John. Yeah, in some strange way, <laughs> <laughs> because that's John. Mm-hmm. He's he's just. He's John. I mean, he he was out in some very thin air, I think, on Patmos <laughs> Island for a while or something. Um, and uh, which, of course, makes it my favorite gospel because it's the most mystical and strange. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, if you ever try. So I, name drop. I was talking with Scott McKnight the other day. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> you know, and so he, you were talking with who again? A guy named Scott McKnight. Brilliant uh, author. You should read him sometime. Uh, but he was talking about how difficult it is to translate John because it's just it's. It's so I and he and he and me and we and you and you and us. And it's just very, the Greek is just very di- difficult. And so mm-hmm. John has just has a different language for Jesus. Yes, he does. And it, it highly meditative kind of way that he writes. Now, what he does and the way the fig tree image that I remember from John, and I don't know about, about other places that it might show up, but um, this one riffs off of Micah 4. Mm. Micah 4, verse 4, where... It talks about every man sitting under his own fig tree. Yeah. And this sort of picture of benevolence, of life, of bounty. And and you got to understand, too, and this is another whole discussion. We did do a whole episode on it, that the Messiah discussion in the Old Testament was not a specific, there's going to be a guy with a beard who's going to come on this day. And cleanse the temple. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was, it was multivalent. It was all over the place. People thought, messiah was going to be a person people thought it was going to be an age of peace people thought it was going to be this thing for the nation of israel all these different the essene community thought there would be two messiahs there you go (sighs) sheesh i know it's all very confusing Mm -hmm. really um and and i i would say that you know i read some um sort of one-dimensional apologetics Mm -hmm. um which which would sort of bullet point all the um well, bullets didn't exist. I was reading this on, on paper. <laughs> Ask your parents. Um, but they would list all the things that, that the Messiah was supposed to do. And then they would say, Jesus did all these things. Jesus is the Messiah. Boom. Boom. And and it was like, no, wow. First of all, Jesus undercut and turned over so many expect- Most of the expectations. expectations. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Exactly. And then even after telling his disciples he was the Messiah and then telling his disciples that the Messiah was going to raise, be raised on the third day, on the third day, none of his disciples are there like 10, <laughs> 9, 8, 7. I mean, they just, they're, not, they're not waiting for it. They don't, they don't expect yeah. the Messiah to be revealed in this way. And so what very clearly announces Jesus 
as the subversive Messiah that he was is his vindication. That is his being raised again on the third day and then being exalted into heaven. That's the reason why we believe Jesus is the Messiah. And then the disciples after that furiously reread the Old Testament saying, oh my goodness, there it is. It all makes sense. But it's only something you could have seen in retrospect. Right. Only something that comes together from a certain angle. Correct. Um, and and that's, did you ever run across, and this is embarrassing, but I, I will tell you this. I ran across this thing, and I can't remember who in the world set this up, but it was, they said, the odds of Jesus fulfilling all these bullet point Messiah expectations were the same as the odds of, what was it? It was... Covering Texas. Texas, yes, in like you quarters. Know I know, I've heard yeah. this before. Yeah, it, now see, I heard this because I'm older than you. I heard this covering Texas in 50 cent pieces. Oh, <laughs> you heard quarters. It, uh, now it would be Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so covering Texas in in some sort of currency, yeah. and then picking one, picking one that yes. was the same as all the other. And when, when, honestly, when I, when I was seven, watching. Walker, Texas Ranger. That was yeah. that yeah. was very convincing argument to me. Absolutely, mm. absolutely, and and yeah, I was fourteen. Mm. I was doing the same thing, and I was like, "Wow, this is um, yeah, this is really compelling." I'm gonna go get me some quarters or fifty cent pieces, or whatever it might be, and uh, <laughs> and just throw them in Texas <laughs> and see if I can find them again. Uh. It, it, it is quite amazing. So anyway, all that to say, not so much, mm-hmm. um, and. Back to John 1. Yeah. Um, Jesus says to Nathaniel, when he first meets Nathaniel, he says, here is an Israelite who has no guile. Mm. And he says, I saw you under the fig tree. tree. And Nathaniel says, behold, and just like dumps out all this crystal, like high mm-hmm. Christology right away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you think that because you saw me under the fig tree. Okay. Mm. All right. So I just think that's, you know, that's, that's interesting because Jesus is saying the age, the age is here. Mm. The age is here. This is the age of feasting. This is the age of celebration. Mm-hmm. This is when the bridegroom is with you. Yeah. And I saw you. And I would think first, the symbolic fig tree that is Israel, because it wasn't producing the fruit that Jesus wanted it to or that God wanted it to. John is now riffing off that and saying, in the same way that I cursed it in the synoptics, I, I want you to see that I'm also doing something new to produce the type mm. of fruit that I mm. want yes. in my people. Yeah. And that's where he first sees Nathaniel. That's where he first starts calling his disciples. These right. are men who produce that type of fruit. Right. Absolutely. And and in the timeline, John would have been written after. Much after. Um, yeah. yeah uh, after the synoptics. And so he would have been in that age of, you know, reflecting on that and thinking, oh, yeah, that, okay. I put that together. Mm-hmm. And now and, that, and he's recording that. So that's it. That's fig it? trees. Something funny about fig trees. Again. Ficus carica. Ficus carica. So I have most of a sleeve of ficus carica here. Would you say that's three quarters or more five eighths? I think it's more five eighths. I would left say now. that's five eighths. And and Dan and I will autograph each of them individually <laughs> and send them to you if you get a geocache <laughs> from underground in Northbrook, Illinois. But anyway, remember that the age of feasting is here. The age of rest is here. The age of being in the shade with Jesus and being blessed in the kingdom in the here and now is here. Hex Humana. Cheers. Cheers.